Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. There's nothing on the screen. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. A little technical difficulty here. Um, my name's Andy Hines, and we're going to talk about James, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. Uh, last time we went through verses 1 through 8, so we'll pick up where we left off, and I'm going to go ahead and read uh, those verses for us now. Uh, <clears throat> I'll start with verse 8, said uh, verse 7, For let not that man expect he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position. And let the rich man glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and it flowers fall off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And let no one say, when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. <clears throat> In the exercise of His will... He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among His creatures. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of meat in there, and we're going to start biting off a few chunks of it right here. Um, in this passage, James warns his readers to avoid two snares. One of them is wealth. And the second one is temptation. But we're going to talk about wealth first. And I'm going to ask you a question. Um, in what ways do you put your confidence in your wealth or your possessions? And how does wealth or poverty affect your relationship with God? Now, you, you hear a lot of people talking about wealth and the Bible, and you'll hear people uh, criticize the so-called prosperity gospel. And um, the idea that God is a slot machine is not in the Bible. And, and anyone that teaches that God is something like a slot machine, then, then they're off base and you don't need to be following that. However, God is interested in our prosperity. And we want to talk briefly about money. Where does it get us in trouble? Well, 
one of the ways that it will affect your relationship with God, number one, uh, if you're seeking wealth, if that's what you think your goal in life is, is to seek wealth, that's you're not going anywhere with that. That's not going to work. There's a lot of people with a lot more money than you have or I have. Maybe not John, but you and I don't have that much. Uh, Bill Gates and uh, Elon Musk are a lot in the, in the um, news recently. And they have obscene amounts of money. But what does it do for them? Well, number one, if you're seeking wealth, and number one, you can have wealth without ignoring God, but you can also have wealth and ignore God. Now, that's not endemic to the people who have money. Uh, that could be for a poor person as well. There's a lot of poor people that money is their God and they don't have any, but they want it. So, just remember this. One, you can have wealth and search for God, and you can have wealth and not search for God. So, you, you, you make your choice where to be on that. Now, uh, temptation comes from our own lust and to satisfy your own self. Now, if we look carefully at verse 14, well, verse 13, Let no one say when he's being tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. I don't hear it as much as I used to, but but when my wife and I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was quite a bunch of teaching, and, and we the first church that we went and joined afterwards had teaching that said God was doing all of these bad things to you because He wanted to teach you something. I had one pastor stand up, and this is the honest truth, one pastor stood up and said, uh, God will make you sick and the devil will heal you just to confuse you. And uh, I had to talk to him about that, and it ended up after I talked to him that uh, he asked me to leave the church with Julia, and we were glad to do so. Um, it's interesting, too. It turns out later that he got into a lot of trouble, uh, and I think a lot of his trouble had to do because he had bad theology. And if you're in the situation... Uh, I grew up in a, in, a, in a difficult environment where I was in trouble all the time. And um, then, then when I got into high school, I just got into all kinds of trouble. And I was in this school and kicked out of that school and so forth and so on. And um, when I got, first got married and got baptized in the Holy Spirit, people were telling me, that God had been doing all those things to me to begin to teach me things. That's not what that that that's not what it turned out to be. What happened was, the uh, verse 14. I got tempted when I got carried away by my own lust. Um, lust. If you go back to Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 19, uh, it says Satan has verse 18, 19. Satan has five weapons that he uses against us. One of those weapons is lust, and lust simply means pressure on your five physical senses. Now, um, most people, when they hear the word lust, they think of sexual stuff. Well, certainly that's pressure on your five physical senses. But it could be, too, because you want a new bass boat, or you want a new car, you want a new computer, or iPhone, or what. It could be any one of a number of things, but it's pressure on your five physical senses. And so... 
when we're talking about this, one of the things we want to think about, uh, let me pull up my notes here. One of the things we want to think about in the area of temptation, and that's that's two things that he's talking about here. We're talking about about money. There could be a lot of temptation with money. Um, uh, having great amount of money puts pressure on people that we don't know anything about. It's interesting uh, to follow the trail of people that win lotteries. Uh, they don't do so well. And I haven't seen too many stories of people that have survived uh, that they, you know, they're 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 in a house or in a trailer or in a mobile home or whatever, and they win, you know, $150 million, uh, you don't hear that they do well. They don't, you know, they just don't do well. They don't handle money well, but they end up in a lot of trouble. And most, many of them have committed suicide. Uh, so uh, we want to make sure that we've got our priorities right when it comes to dealing with money. Now, let's see here. What is one of the results of succumbing to temptation? If you look at verse 15, when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Uh, you can go back to Romans chapter 7, and I'll go back and pull that up real quick. Romans chapter 7, and it says, verse 8, Sin, taking the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind for apart from this law sin is dead and I once was alive apart from the law but when the commandment came sin became alive and I died and this commandment was to result in life proved to result in death for me for sin taking the opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me sin produces death it can't do anything else so sin when it's full-born and, and, and grows and bears fruit, is death. Um, we can see that. Uh, you can, it's just, look at a lot of the things that are going on in the country right now. A lot of the things that are happening out there is the fruit of sinful choices that have been made many, many years ago. And I think uh, a lot of what God is doing in a great reset of our country is bringing forth a lot of these things to our light so we can see we've got the bad fruit. We can go back and see at what point the seeds were planted. So just remember that. Um, sin produces death. That's one of the other messages that's in here. Um, what difference does it make when we have a kind of God that when we're faced with the attraction of wealth or other temptations? In other words... Uh, what difference does it make when we're dealing with these things to have God on our side? What, what, how does He help us in the middle of these things? Well, um, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I'm going to go way back then. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this, But you shall remember... The Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power to make wealth that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to His fathers as it is this day. So just remember, it is God who is giving you the power to make wealth to confirm His covenant. 
Um, that's where a lot of people miss it. They don't do that. They don't realize. Uh, they think that God gave them a lot of money so they could get a. They could go from having a two-year-old BMW to a brand new Mercedes. Um, uh, you understand what I'm talking about. Money is as a creeping problem. If you don't have a lot of it, it seems like when I was young and and Julia and I were advancing in our industry and and we did very well in our industry, but it just seems like when we got a raise, instead of saving the money or raising our giving. We did raise our giving, but it seemed like we ex- we extended our expenses as well. And it didn't matter whether we were making $19,000 a year or $38,000 a year. Uh, our expenses always grew. And I, that's just an unusual part of that. So just remember that money has a tendency to creep and if we can keep Deuteronomy 8.18 in mind, we'll be okay. Now, um, you can have confidence that God supports you in His Word. Uh, he will trust you with the wealth if, you, if you're available to use it in the manner that God wants you to use it. Now, my wife and I have, have on, several, on at least two occasions given cars to people. Uh, we had, well, they, they weren't you know, brand new Mercedes or anything like that. But uh, we had an opportunity. I, to, I had a, a new work truck uh, that the company gave me, and so we had an extra car, and we gave it to one of our neighbors that desperately needed a car. Uh, we've, had that, we've had that situation twice. Once when my mother-in-law uh, got really sick, we had to get rid of the vehicle that we had and get a, a, a station wagon that was right for her, then uh, then she died unexpectedly. And we had a station wagon we didn't need, so we gave that to a pastor and his wife. And um, uh, God blessed us Im- immensely for doing that. But we've always tried to, to take our money and the, the resources that God gave us, gave us and put that towards the use of the kingdom. Uh, that's been one of our, our philosophies and... and um, and it's worked well for us. God has always taken care of us. Uh, have we done it perfectly? No, but at least we've, uh, you know, if we if we died, we were aiming in that direction. Let's just put it that way. Um, what's one of the characteristics of God that makes your ability to navigate uh, uh, temptation and, and navigate these these uh, satanic minefields, you might say? What's one of the characteristics that he has that helps you do that? Um, well, there is no variation in God. Look at verse 17 and 18. Oops, it'd help if I got in out of Romans and got back in James. Okay, look at verse chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among His creatures. In verse 17, He says that God, with God there is no variation or shifting shadow. Uh, reminds me of Hebrews 13.8. 
go in my Bible, you just go one page to the left, and it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. Uh, one of the problems that we talked about in verse 8 was uh, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I, I had a note in there, one commentator uh, described this person as duo-man. He had, uh, you know, two faces. Uh, there used to be a movie called uh, uh, Three Faces of Eve. It was talking about a woman that had some serious personality problem. Well, this one right here is a guy that he wants to go left one time and he wants to go right the next time. And he's 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 can't make up his mind. He's unstable. Well, God is stable. And in verse 1-5, it says, if you lack wisdom, you can go to Him. So, as you start to deal with these things, have confidence that you can go to meet with God and that He's stable. And He'll give you the same answer. He'll give you consistency. He won't leave you. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So, with that in mind, you can trust Him uh, to be able to do exactly what He said He'd do. Now, let's see here. But I want to talk about one other thing. We're talking about People want a lot of money. And right now, with the environment the way that it is and the things that are going on, uh, a lot of people are scared about the future. They're scared about uh, God's provision. They're, they're scared about the stock market falling. Everything's kind of falling apart. Um, it's interesting, if you go back and remember, it is God that gives you the power to gain wealth so you can establish His kingdom. Now, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, day, forever, is walking with you. He's inside you. He said He'd provide you. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. Now, I don't care if you don't have a dime. The God who fed 5,000 from a sack lunch, the God who fed 4,000 from some, some fish, and the God who walked on water, the God who paid His taxes by going fishing, and found a fish with gold piece in his mouth. Um, all of these things, that's the God that we serve. And there should be a certain amount of protection and certain amount of confidence on our part that if you're serving a God like that, He will provide for you and He will not let you down. Now, my wife and I can go through that and, and, and tell you 100% that in our, in our marriage life, we've been married now over 46 years to each other. Um, over those 46 years, He's never let us down. Um, when, we were, when we were told to move, when, when we felt the Lord wanted us to move from Columbus, Ohio to Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, we had really good jobs in, in Columbus, Ohio at that time. We were making good money. We had a great place to live. Uh, we were close to my parents, and it, you know, life was good. We felt the Lord wanted us to move to Oklahoma, and when we did, our revenue was cut in half, and our expenses doubled. And for the seven years we were there, we never missed anything. Uh, we were able to buy uh, buy a house. We were able to buy cars, uh, new cars. We didn't get old junkers. We got new cars, and we were able to do that as God provided for us. Now, we needed a new car because the old one was 
falling apart, so we got a new car and so forth and so on. But the point was that when we took the step to move and do what we felt the Lord wanted us to do, He never missed supplying us with any, any money at all, anything we needed. So keep that in mind. The God that fed 5,000 is the God that lives inside you. He's not going to let you down. The, the, the trick is, can we have the patience and the, the, the fortitude and the courage to wait long enough for Him to provide for us? Uh, like um, the thought that comes to mind is when the disciples were crossing the, the Sea of Galilee and the storm, the, the hurricane hit them, and Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. He'd already told them, uh, let's go over to the other side. We could rely on that word. And he didn't say we'll go over to the other side, but first we'll get sunk by a hurricane. He didn't say that. He just said we'll get to the other side, and they did. So when he says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, we can count on him to do that. Now, um, let's go look at and answer this question. How have you experienced the Word of God working and healing and changing you. How have you seen how God's Word would change you? Now, um, part of the issue here that we're talking about is he's talking about temptation, he's talking about lust, he's talking about the things that, uh, that the enemy would do to you. And you, you become a Christian, you commit your life to God. I'll just use a, 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 an age. Say you're 20 years old and you do that, and now you're 50 years old. So what has been the changes in your life from the time you were 20 to the time you were 50? Well, there's going to be a lot of changes <coughs> that will happen in your life due to age, but what about the internal things? A lot of 20-year-olds that don't change their internal things when they get to be 50. In fact, they may be more cantankerous and more difficult to get along with when they're 50 than when they're 20 if God doesn't have a chance to change your life. Now, um, two things happened. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, God physically healed me of two, two serious problems. Uh, uh, one, I had intestinal problems, and he, he solved that problem. I was going to have to have surgery there, and he healed that. And I had warts all over my feet from the, the job I had. I had to wear steel-toed boots. And I got healed on the way home of these warts. Not, not a wart on my body uh, after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I experienced God's healing right away. And uh, there's been a progressive sanctification, is, is the term our pastor uses. There's been a progressive sanctification in me that I've seen how God has moved in my life but I can't go back and say, well, at this period here. In other words, if I go back and try to look at when I'm 30, what changes did I have some from when I was 20? Well, there's changes, but I can't go point and say, well, when I was 24, this happened. When I was 26, it happened smoothly in that whole time. I wasn't that way when I was 20, and I was that way when I was 30. Now, how did that happen? Uh, I can't tell you. And then when I was 30, things changed from when I was 30 to when I was 40. Again, big changes. I've seen attitudes change. I've seen my heart change. But I can't go back and point to a specific thing. Now, some things you can't, people can do that. 
But I think most of the time there's changes happening and you can't really put your finger on exactly what God told you to do or how that happened. Um, now, I want to leave that um, there's four things that we want to talk about. I want to leave you with these thoughts. Number one, you should pray and sit silently before God to hear what the author calls the echo of his voice. Sit down and be quiet. Don't talk. Don't Just sit down. Lay yourself before the Lord and listen to what He has to say. Let Him talk. He will talk. He's always talking. The key is, can we hear Him? Uh, number two, ask Him to reveal to you and change any inner motivations that don't line up with His Word. Can you do that? Um, I. It seems like I've done that. And there's been changes that I want to make. I want to make them right now. I want these things gone. But it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen slow. It seemed like God changed things on the peripheral and then He changed things over here. And that made this change easier to happen. Um, and I, and, and I, I can honestly say as I look back over my life, a lot of the changes that I've had have been, have been uh, slowly happening, but they have been happening... But they couldn't happen unless these changes on the peripheral edges of it. Unless those changes happen, and I couldn't see that. I couldn't get the main thing changed that I want to. So after a few years, all of a sudden I go, geez, that, I, I don't do that anymore. Or things are different now. Or so, the Lord will send somebody to encourage me and say, hey, listen, I really noticed that you're doing this, this, and this, and not doing that anymore, or something that that will encourage me and let me know that I am changing. Um, number three, develop what James said about trials and tribulations in verse 2 and do not imagine that God is the source of your problem. You can go back to the, to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Jesus said, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, you're not going to understand any of them. And He, he says in, in Matthew 13 that anybody that is trying to, to learn about the parable of sower, people in the Old Testament wanted to do that, and they couldn't get it. So uh, it's important that you understand that God's not the source of your problem. Satan is. Satan comes with the steal, kill, and destroy, and God came that you might have life. Number four, the challenge is to take the self you find within and choose wisely which impulses you're going to follow and which desires to let go. So, within that framework, you're going to have to sit down and look at things and make decisions about what it is you're supposed to do and what it is you're not supposed to do. So, uh, that's pretty much the discussion that I have here. Um, if I if I talk to John and Emily over here and ask them uh, to uh, speak, they would tell me what issues that they're running into and what things that they're struggling with. Now, he said one last statement here. He says, "Desire is like a woman who conceives a child, and the child is sin." The act which flows directly from the part of self which pulls us away from genuine life which God has for us. That's what sin does. It pulls us away from the life of God. 
Uh, it sets us on a course of destruction, and we need to stop that. Um, so I go back, and let's look back here real quick, and and real quick revert, re, um, uh, review this. And I had a, I had a note here, one note too about uh, verses 13 to 15 about temptation. Uh, in this chapter, in these scriptures right here, if we go back to to Gospel of Mark chapter four, Jesus said Satan has five things: affliction, persecution, the deceitfulness of riches, lust and pressure, and anxiety. Those are the five weapons that he basically uses, and we've got three of those in this set of scriptures. We've got lust, which is pressure. And we've got a deceitfulness of riches for people who think that God has, has led them, uh, you know, that riches is going to solve all their problems. And temptation as a whole. You go back and look at how Satan uh, attempted to, to get God to do things that God didn't want to do. That, that's not in his nature. Satan's constantly trying to bait God or Jesus into doing things that's not within their ma- nature. You can see that in Job. Uh, Satan went after God and said, I want you to do this, this, and this. And God says, no, I'm not going to do that. And so that's part of the battle that you have is Satan constantly working to get you to do things that are against God's nature and against your new nature. Um, So keep that in mind. Now, I'm looking back here to see if there's anything I missed. I thank you for... For putting up with me today. Um, is there anybody that's got any questions? Okay, back here in the back. And your question was? All right, good question. Uh, I'll have to answer that the next time. No, that's not, that's not within the scope of what we're talking about here. So I want to thank you all for, for showing up. Uh, next time we'll proceed to, to finish up Chapter 1. Thank you for coming, and I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us. We thank you that you do give us wealth so that we can establish your kingdom. Help us to be wise managers of the resources that you give us and help us to look for ways to help other people. Uh, Thank you for what you do for us, and we ask you to continue to show us and how to walk in your ways in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next time. Viu dos vales, cresce em beleza, força e luz. Rosa de Sarol, queima a impureza do meu ser. Brilha a luz que é nua